You see the Parthian foot races last night? Darius ran like a gazelle. Jews don't go to foot races. Your old friend Simon himself used to run the wagering tables. We're not friends. Next. Okay, fine. So you did not go to the races. You stay home? I went to see my mother. Ugh. That would put me out, too. She asked when you're going to give her grandchildren? She didn't ask. I thought your parents don't speak to you. I had questions I couldn't ask anyone else. A mother of a son with talent like yours should be proud. She's ashamed that I could use the talent that God gave me against God. Next. You're good at something. You found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. Must be nice to live in a world so simply ordered. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Good morning, church. My name's Jake, and I have the privilege of being one of the ministers on staff here. If I could have you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, that's where we'll be camped out for a better part of our morning today. I'll be reading from Matthew 9, 9 through 13. Um, before I... As you find that before we jump into it, uh, I'd like to tell you what I'm going to do today or what I'm going to try to do. I'd like to track Matthew's journey 
through the Gospels. Uh, He's not mentioned a ton of times, but the times that he is mentioned by name, uh, they are very big moments in the Scriptures. Uh, I'd like to highlight how Jesus did things differently, which you saw in the clip here. And then I'd like to highlight at the end how if you are going to follow Jesus, you better get used to different, and everybody who interacts with you must also get used to a different you. So without further ado, Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9, this is what it says. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Matthew's background disqualified him. And what I think this series does, I'm going to give a little infomercial for this series because I love it. Uh, First infomercial for the Bible, I love it. It's really helped me, so get the Bible app on your phone. Second infomercial, The Chosen. This is a series that was recommended to me by my mom, uh, and so I don't typically take media recommendations from 52-year-old white women uh, because my mom, I mean, she's kind of lame, right? Wrong. I was totally wrong. (laughs) I used to think, and I still somewhat do, Christian media, it, it has a place, but it's oftentimes super, super cheesy, and so it makes me skeptical, and so a lot of the movies that people are like, oh, you have to go see this, I'm gonna be honest, I don't usually find those super entertaining, but I was very wrong about The Chosen. And what The Chosen has done for me, just as a little infomercial, it has allowed me to see Jesus in a new light. It's allowed me to see the disciples interact with one another and to know, oh wait, they weren't all these awesome people, right? They took years and years to form into the kind of men that God would use uh, to do amazing things. And that gives me hope. And it also shows me that Jesus was a human who he messed with people, he joked with people, he also had these very serious moments. And so uh, it colors in what I view in scripture. And so Just know, I love The Chosen, but just know it's also a fictional portrayal. Uh, We don't know exactly how these things happen. All we have to go by concretely is what the scriptures say. And so that's where we'll be camped out. But Matthew, his background disqualified him. He was a tax collector. And those of you that have grown up in church, you probably know that the tax collectors were not viewed in the best light. And in fact, a lot of times that we talk about tax collectors, or a lot of times it's written down in scripture, it says tax collectors and sinners, because they were synonymous with one another. The tax collectors were some of the worst offenders. And here's why. The Romans had conquered the Judeans in 63 BCE. Pompey the Great, maybe some of you have heard that name. He was one of the contemporaries of Julius Caesar. He conquers Jerusalem. He conquers the surrounding nation of Israel. And so the Judeans are now under his control. And the Romans were very smart. There's a reason that they conquered most of the known world at the time. They had the locals do their dirty work. And Matthew was one of the lucky, or really I would say unlucky ones, that got to do that. Because the Romans would have the local tax people get them all the money that Rome needed from that province, and then Rome was good to go. But what the tax collectors would do is they would keep the information a secret. They would not tell the people exactly how much Rome was demanding from them. They would say, hey, Rome is demanding $500 per person when Rome was really only demanding 200 And so they would pocket the difference. 
And it's a little bit hard to make a comparison to our culture today because we live in a fairly affluent place, but Matthew and all the tax collectors like him, they were getting rich off the backs of poor people. They were not getting rich off of the rich, though they probably were doing that, but they were getting rich off the backs of the poor and the destitute in their society. And not only that, they were getting rich off poor people, they were getting rich off their own countrymen. They were getting rich off other people who were from their same race, the other Jews. So they were paying money to their oppressors to oppress them. The Jews, plot twist, they did not like to be oppressed. And so Matthew is viewed as a double traitor. He's oppressing people and he's giving money to people who they don't want to give money to. His status as a tax collector precluded Matthew from being, being involved in the daily life of the Jews. So their life revolved around the worship of Yahweh, their, their God, our God as well, the worship of Yahweh. And every week they'd go to a synagogue service on Saturdays. This was their church, Jewish church, so to speak. And the tax collectors were banned from going. So they did not allow the tax collectors to worship with them. They did not allow them to worship the same God because they were viewed as so bad, as so vile, as so repugnant to the everyday Jew. They weren't allowed to be there. They were considered disgraces to their own families. If you watch The Chosen, like I would highly recommend you do, uh, you see that Matthew's family doesn't really talk to him. They say, you are no longer a son of ours. They kick him out of their family life. And in Jewish history, these types of people were actually disqualified as witnesses in court. They were viewed as so untrustworthy that they could no longer give testimony about things that were going on. And we see a little bit of this in Peter's indignance, right? Peter's the one that talks to Jesus and says, do you know what this guy's done? This is different. My life is different. I was a, I was a fisherman and I was still a sinner, but this guy, he's so much worse. Jesus tells him, get used to different. Get used to different. My second point today is this. Matthew responded to Jesus' call. And we have many instances in Scripture where Jesus calls people and they accept his call. Um, but we have several instances in Scripture, and there are probably many, many more that are not described in its contents, where Jesus called somebody to follow him, and they didn't do it. For whatever reason, they had all these other things that they were letting go that they could not let go. But Matthew, he had a lot of money. He had a lot of power. He let it all go, and he followed Jesus. And we see quickly in the Scriptures, and, and even here, that Matthew's influence on the people that hung out with him, the other tax collectors, other quote-unquote sinners, the people who probably used Matthew, that he probably used as well. These were the types of people that hung out with Matthew, and Jesus, instead of rejecting them, dined with them, and dined with their disciples. And that was repugnant to the Pharisees, to the teachers of the law. They said, Jesus, why are you dining with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. And the ironic thing was the people that were asking Jesus that question, these Pharisees, these great people on the outside, were the worst of sinners on the inside. So Matthew responded to Jesus' call, and it changed him, and it changed the trajectory of his life. The next time we see uh, Matthew mentioned by name, it's when Jesus sends out his 12 disciples. Matthew 10, so if you just flip the page in your Bible, Matthew 10, verses 1 through 8. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, 
and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. They would go and do that later. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, therefore freely give. And what better person who has freely received, even more than arguably all of the other disciples. He had been pulled out of a life of isolation, out of the life of an outcast, out of a life that was spiritually bankrupt. He had received and he was able to freely give. And he continued to do that throughout his ministry and the ministry of Jesus, which likely lasted about three years. Moving on to another low point in Matthew's life. Jesus had just hung out with his disciples, his friends in the upper room. And he goes to the Mount of Olives. He's praying right before he gets betrayed by his disciple Judas. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 55. In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, the crowd of people who would come to arrest him, Am I leading a rebellion? That you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching. You did not arrest me. But this has taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Here's the line I want you to see. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. All the disciples deserted him and fled. We read about Simon Peter, how he says, I'm never going to deny you, Jesus. And then he denies Jesus three times before the rooster crows. And he gets a bad rap because he was like, oh, I'm going to follow you forever. And then he very quickly rejected Jesus. We often glance over this, then all the disciples deserted him. That includes Matthew. The guy who had been saved from his tax collector's booth, the guy who had performed miracles, the guy who had been sent out by Jesus. When the tough got going, when the going got tough, yikes, when the going got tough, he did not prove himself to be the tough who got going. He deserted fled. A low point for Matthew, and we don't know what he did in the meantime, but we know at some point he was scared, hiding in the upper room, and Jesus appeared to all of them. And later, when we see Matthew specifically presented, it's when he's helping to establish the early church. Matthew is present at the ascension of Jesus, so Jesus, he dies on the cross, he rises from the dead, he appears to many witnesses, and he appears to his disciples, and he speaks He tells his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. And then in the book of Acts, chapter 1, we read about his ascension. He goes into heaven. And then this is what it says right after that, after Jesus has departed. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. So, 11 of the original 12. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So, very quickly after that, they are all baptized by the Holy Spirit. They are indwelt 
by the Holy Spirit, and so they now have God living inside them. And they would go on as a group of people to reach the masses, to reach Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth, like Jesus had told them to. Matthew did that. And then as we move on, the scriptures don't talk any more about Matthew. So the 66 books of the Bible, we don't know what happened to Matthew. But church tradition that's been passed on by early church people who wrote things down that we can now read, most accounts agree that Matthew was martyred. They don't know where he was martyred. They don't know if he was uh, martyred in Ethiopia or in Asia somewhere. They don't know how he was martyred. They don't agree on those things. But most sources agree that Matthew was killed for his faith. It's a long way to go from a tax collector's booth to dying as a witness for Jesus. I'd like you to change each of the points that I've made about Matthew's journey, and I think that most of us, really all of us in this room, can find ourselves at some place in Matthew's journey. Matthew's background disqualified him. Your background disqualifies you from following Jesus. Or it should. Your sin, no matter what you've been told about your sin, that, oh, it's not that bad, it disqualifies you from following Jesus or from being with God by design. And if you're anything like me, it's not the outward stuff, it's not the manifestations, the outward sins, the actions, it's the darkness in your own heart and the darkness in my own heart, the things I think, the things that I feel, the things that I wish would happen to people who I didn't agree with or didn't get along with. The darkness precludes us from being with God forever, but that's not where Jesus leaves us. Get used to different. Matthew responded to Jesus' call. And my guess is that most of you in this room, you've responded to Jesus' call at one point. That's one of the reasons that you might be sitting here. For those of you that aren't in that boat, that you have not responded to that call, know that you're in good company. Jesus welcomes you no matter your background, no matter the things that you have said, the things that you have thought, the darkness in your heart, the things that you have done, the people you have betrayed. That's what's so scandalous about grace. And now, Jesus doesn't excuse the implied sin of Matthew, the the things that Matthew was doing. He didn't say, hey, come follow me, keep living the same way that you were living before, just in the name, in my name. No, he calls him to a radically different trajectory of his life. No longer does Matthew need to live a survival life, but Matthew gets to live a kingdom life, and that looks very different. If you have accepted Jesus' call to follow, has that changed who you are? Has that really changed who you are? If so, how? Matthew journeyed with Jesus for several years, and most of us in this room also find ourselves having journeyed with Jesus for a certain amount of time. It could be three years, it could be 30 years. For some of you, it's probably close to 90 years you've been walking with Jesus. And sure, we've tried to be faithful to a certain extent, but when it comes to Jesus' call on our lives to take up our cross daily and follow, we're not so sure that the Bible is for us in that. Sure, we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, right? We, we say, hey, G- Jesus, thank you for saving us. We submit to you. We mentally assent that you have saved us, but we have not made Jesus the Lord of our lives. 
we have not made Jesus the boss. I would argue that there are probably a lot of people in this room, and I was there more recently than I care to admit. Our relationship with Jesus in these cases is the equivalent of an acquaintance that we use to get stuff from. We use Jesus as a way to get stuff from him. And we don't really understand. We believe that our faith is more about us. We believe that our faith is more about our own preferences, our own desires, than it is about what Jesus is doing to transform us. And I know this because I've been there. This is the place that I relapse to. This is where we get to see our dark side. And this is where we get to see Matthew's failure and our own failure. We walk with Jesus for a while, but maybe it's not going so hot right now. You might be in a season of nagging doubts in your mind about who Jesus is or what Jesus has done for you. You may mentally assent to Jesus. You may even say you trust Jesus. You may even trust Jesus, but when the going gets tough, you resort back to this survival life. You try to do things of your own accord and you get scared and you run away. For one reason or another, we all find ourselves deserting Jesus. We may, we may be in a season of that right now. And I've got good news that Jesus is waiting for us on the other side of the cross. Jesus is waiting for us on the other side of the cross. There is grace for us. Get used to different. Fast forward in Matthew's life a little bit. He helped establish the early church. He was a pillar on which this church was built. No doubt his leadership provided a lot of the infrastructure that helped this tiny little church grow into be the global phenomenon that it is today. Matthew didn't stay in his shameful sin, and neither do you have to. You can be faithful to God's call on your life today. And I would say we do that by doing two things. One, strengthening our own relationship with God. And I don't mean just showing up at church. I don't mean just going to your small group. I mean having an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus. And I can get up here and talk about that till I'm blue in the face. But if the Holy Spirit's not working on your life and telling you that you need to do that, it'll fall on deaf ears. Number two, you can help others strengthen their relationship with God as well. Strengthen your own relationship with God. Help other people strengthen theirs. And I don't think you can do the first without doing the second. If I can open up the kimono with you guys for just a second, I, I didn't start doing this until a couple of years ago. I grew up in the church. I was probably in church, well, I was in the ER, or the NICU for a while, but right after I got out of the NICU, I was probably right in church. 51 weeks out of 52 a year, the other one was if I was thrown up on the floor. My dad was a pastor. My grandparents had gone, all gone to Bible college. My parents had met at Bible college. I was raised in the faith went to Bible college, I went to seminary, I'd been a pastor at this point for six years. And I hadn't really taken the, the challenge of making disciples seriously. My faith was all about me, and I, it was not for a lack of training. <laughs> God knows I had heard so many sermons on that. It wasn't for a lack of effort from people pouring into me, my parents, my grandparents, other people in the church is that my heart wasn't ready for it. And I just want to venture a guess that that's probably a lot of you in here. That Jesus has transformed you and you work on that personal relationship but you've never taken the step to help pour into somebody else. 
I'm gonna challenge you to start that, to pray about who that person needs to be for you. For some of you, that's your ones. For some of you, that's people in your family. For some of you, you need to be somebody's one and you need to reach out to someone to walk with you. I'm invited. Me of all people. Me of all people. If you knew the darkness in my heart, if I let the darkness come out to the people that I love the most, sometimes I don't think they'd want to be my friend. But if I'm invited, me of all people, to be a part of this amazing team that Jesus established so long ago, then you are also invited to be a part of this team. Get used to different. Matthew likely died for his faith. You can die to yourself daily. Now there was this whole, this whole thing going around when I was growing up in youth group. It's like, would you be willing to die for Jesus today? And they'd create all these crazy scenarios for someone who grew up in a town very similar uh, to Fishers and to Carmel. <laughs> well, if someone walked into your super safe school or someone walked into your super safe church or if someone walked into your super safe neighborhood and they put a gun to your head and said, if you love Jesus, I'm gonna kill you. Do you love Jesus? Would you say yes? I got to the point where I was like, yeah, I probably would. And, and honestly, most of us probably would. I mean, it was a weird analogy that my youth ministers were using, but very poignant. The reality right now is that we in Hamilton County and people watching online doubtful that we are being faced with a regular persecution where we are going to be asked to die for our faith in a split-second decision. Some people are, but probably not us. But the people who were martyred in church history, Matthew included, they weren't martyred because of a split-second decision that they made. They were martyred because they consistently, day after day, made decisions on behalf of their faith in Jesus and year after year that challenged the powers that be. They were killed because they caused a disruption. Are you willing to cause any kind of disruption as you follow Jesus? Are you willing to cause a disruption in your own life or the lives of those around you? I'm reminded of the quote from George Washington to Alexander Hamilton in the Hamilton musical, which is awesome, a little crass, but awesome. <laughs> Washington says this, dying is easy, young man, living is harder. Dying is easy, young man, living is harder. It's comparatively easy to make a single decision for your faith than it is to make decision after decision after decision after decision to follow Jesus consistently. It's hard to make decision after decision after decision after decision that will cultivate the kind of life that God has for all of us. It's not only about salvation, it's about sanctification. This idea that we become closer and closer to God as we become holy. His best life involves daily dying to ourselves. Get used to different. So why did I decide to teach about Matthew in the new year? It's January 1st, 2023. Why do I pick this text? I complained enough about the last two texts that I've gotten, so they let, they're like, hey, pick whatever you want. Why do I pick Matthew? To start the, early, to start the year by calling attention to the fact that grace is for everybody, even those of us with the darkest hearts. And also, to start the year with the encouragement that this is a journey. And those of you who are younger, or maybe those of you who used to be young, so everybody. <laughs> the 
You're constantly told, hey, get better, stronger, smarter, faster. Do all these things and, and progress at a faster pace so that you can get ahead. And I subscribed to that for a long time. I'm like, why is this not happening for me? Why am I not, why are these disciplines that I'm trying in, in spirituality, why are these not landing for me? It's a process. It is a process and it is a time-consuming process and it's a journey. And so have encouragement that this is a journey that we are constantly going up and down on. It's a journey where we must prioritize our habits, our New Year's resolutions, our New Year's goals. What is 2023 going to be for all of us venture? These are noble goals to have to redo your habits, whether or not they relate to faith. These are noble goals, but I want to call attention to the fact that if these goals don't bring you closer to Jesus, then they're basically pointless. Your renewed commitment to read the Bible in a year, that is awesome, I love that, and I have a million suggestions for you. But if it's not bringing you closer to Jesus, it's just useless knowledge. Your recommitment to praying five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, an hour a day, that is awesome. But if it's ultimately not bringing you closer to Jesus, it's fruitless. Your goal for the year to get better, smarter, faster, healthier, prettier, funnier, slimmer, wiser. Insert your comparative term here. All these things are good goals for us to have. But if it's not getting us closer to Jesus, it doesn't matter. If we want to get closer to Jesus, we must be willing to think and to feel and to act differently than we have before. We must get used to different. So make your resolutions this year. They're not bad. Resolutions can help. But if you're going to follow Jesus, get used to different. If you're going to follow Jesus, you better get used to a different you. And I'm not saying this abrasive person, yeah, I'm different now, so get used to it. I'm talking about the new you. It's going to give me more loving, more joyous more patient, more kind, more good, filled with self-control, filled with gentleness, more faithful. If you're going to follow Jesus, you better get used to different daily habits. If you're going to follow Jesus, you better get used to different people. Because I've been here six months, you guys are weirdos, okay, I love you. Well, there's a bunch of weirdos in here. Get used to different. If you're going to follow Jesus, your friends better get used to different. If you're going to follow Jesus, your husband or your wife better get used to different. If you're going to follow Jesus, your children, your grandchildren, some of you, your great-grandchildren, better get used to different. If you're going to follow Jesus, your coworkers, your clients, your boss, they better get used to different. If you're going to follow Jesus, your neighbors better get used to different. If you're going to follow Jesus, venture your ones better get used to different. If we are going to follow Jesus better in 2023, Venture Christian Church, we better get used to different. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. God, I thank you for who you are, the identity that we find in you. And God, we thank you for the example that you have set for us and also the people that you have recorded in your scriptures to encourage us, to challenge us, uh, to show us that there is a different way to live. God, give us the grace that we need to see others like you see them, to see not a tax collector, but to see 
a saint who has been saved by your grace. Give us the grace for ourselves to see ourselves as saints who you have saved, who you have called worth it. God, we thank you for the example of Matthew. We thank you for just his faithfulness to you up until the end. God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray all these things. Amen.